Thanks, Owen. On my way here today, as I was riding in my truck on the way to church, I noticed the beautiful sunrise and the morning air. And it was a reminder that the Lord had set the stage for us to worship. And it started with his creation, and I hope you experience that today. And now we come together as, as the church gathered. And gang, a lot of folks set the stage so that you can worship. All during this week, there have been preparations uh, laid so that, that you would be able to encounter a living God. And so I want to say thanks to all those that, that volunteer of their time, uh, that make ready for us to worship a living God. Let's read the scripture together, and you'll see it on the screen, and I tell you what, I'll call on you when it's time for you to join me. Um, the scripture from Mark, uh, chapter 10, verses 25 through 35 then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Pick up with me. I want you to read with me on this part. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you that every one of us is called in this room. And you've set apart each one of us to live out your purposes. And so help us to hear a word from you. Already we have through the music and through the prayer. And now, Lord, specifically, we ask that you would come and fill us and direct us and to teach us to serve like you've served. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, I'm a fan, a sports fan. I'm not a fanatic in the truest sense of the word, but I am a fan. I love competitive sports. Uh, basketball is my favorite sport. 
I like football. Tennis is up there. And I enjoy watching like the U.S. Open or Wimbledon. I enjoy playing casually. But one of the things we know in tennis is that a tennis player has a distinct advantage if they're able to control their serve. If they're able to improve their uh, serve, they better are able to compete and win over the opponent. And so it's a sport I love. And today, while it's not a sport, it is something I want us to speak to, and that is the idea of serving. And and I want us to look at the, the possibilities of how we can improve our serve so that we have an advantage in living out our lives for Jesus Christ. And so during the month of August, we've taken a look at some keys to spiritual growth. And one of the things we've been moving through is this, the big three. Uh, It's a series, and today is the last of the big three series. We've covered worship, and we've talked about how it's important to be the church scattered, but the church gathered is very important as we are today. And then we've talked about that that God is the audience and that we're not the audience, but that God is the audience and we come to worship him. Uh, The other is this, that we're called to grow in our relationship with each other. And as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we grow in our relationship with each other and vice versa. And so being a part of a small group, a Sunday school, a ministry area is critical to our maturation process and growth in Christ, our discipleship. And so we've asked you to consider and to really pray about uh, committing one hour a week. That's all we're asking. One hour a week set aside to worship. The other is that you would set aside one hour a week, a men's uh, prayer group, a women's Bible study, a Sunday school, another hour, sometime, doesn't have to be on Sunday, sometime during the week for you to be able to be nurtured in your spiritual life. And then finally, Today we look at service, and and we really believe these three consolidate and simplify our vows of ministry. You may remember those vows of ministry, to be faithful with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, and our witness. And so we believe these three, the big three, cover all of that. And so we want to step into that last part, that last, uh, if you would, spiritual discipline in service. And we come to an awesome text that really tells us a lot about ourselves. Uh, In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, the disciples have, have been walking with Jesus in Jerusalem. And he shares with them some news, and let's just say he's cautiously pessimistic cautiously pessimistic. Normally we're cautiously optimistic, but he's cautiously pessimistic. He's saying, the religious leaders are, are, are going to arrest me, and get this, they're going to mock me, and you're going to see them spit upon me, and eventually they're going to kill me. They're going to put me to death. And then he says this, there is good news. The story won't end with that. I'm going to come back from the dead. Now, a strange transition It's as though he's been speaking from his heart, and some of these disciples have a glaze over their eyes. It's as though they're numb to what he is saying. And and so they say, Jesus, thank you for sharing. 
it really hasn't registered with them. In fact, two of them, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, do something that I used to, to do with my parents, and I bet you did it with your parents, and some of you are parents, and it's done to you right now, where you ask for permission before the question is even posed. You want a, an affirmation before you raise the question. It, it's kind of like, say, say, please, please say yes. Hey, mom, please say yes. And then mom says, well, what is the question? And, th and these disciples are like this, and they're like, Please say yes. We want to be at your right hand and at your left hand when you come into glory. Pretty presumptuous. Uh, they, they wanted seats of honor. I mean, Jesus has just talked about sacrifice. He's just talked about a brutal journey that he's going to be on and dying. And they say... Well, when you come into glory, remember me, and I want to be on your right and on your left. Jesus says, are you kidding me? Are you joking? You do not know what you're asking. Do you realize the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you willing to drink that cup? Now, when you see the word cup in the New Testament, or even in the Scripture, it usually is... Uh, related to suffering, entering into pain? Are you willing to step into the kinds of things that I'm going to have to step into? You've already had a taste of it. Are you ready to drink from that cup? They say, sure we are. He said, you don't realize the kind of cup that you'll have to drink from to be a follower of mine. And then, you know, the others around them got a little indignant. The three of them were, were conversing together, and these two are jockeying for position, for power and prestige in this new kingdom. And the others were like, whoa, whoa, come on. I mean, they were overhearing all this. They were not impressed with James and John. And so Jesus decided that he'd make it a teachable moment. He decided he would explain what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means in terms of the cost of discipleship. And, and he, he, he says, whoever wishes to become great among you guys, you shall be the servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, that sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? That, that doesn't make any sense. It's kind of an up down, upside down kingdom. I mean, in our world, we talk about things like upward mobility and power plays and position and prestige. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is equal to downward mobility. It means denying oneself. It means ridding oneself of that which holds us back. He says, not so in the kingdom of God. It's not about greatness as the world knows it. It's about looking to the needs of others before looking to your own. It's about seeking to live out a humble life. 
It's about moving from a me-centered perspective to a serving others perspective. And so when you serve, there is a wide spectrum of influence and blessing. And so I want to talk about that spectrum of blessing and how I really believe that God showers us with blessings when we decide that we're going to be servants of Christ. And one of those is the person, the recipient of the service. When we show an act of compassion or of kindness, that person is blessed. Anthony, in a wonderful way, in our earlier service, talked about when when we want to share the message, the reality is people will encounter us before they encounter the message. They will experience us before they're even willing to hear the message of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so how we give of ourselves is so important to the message that is subsequent to our serving. And so it's kind of like that great father of old who said, when you preach a sermon, use words only when necessary. In other words, give of yourself and be a blessing. And so the recipient of the blessing, when you, when you perform an act of service or compassion or kindness, someone absorbs that, they are blessed. But something else happens. The one who is serving really receives, receives the greater blessing. And you found that to be the case. You've gone on mission trips. You've served in this community. You've volunteered in this church. And you have found, you're thinking, I'm going to go and be a blessing. <laughs> I am a blessing. I'm going to go be a blessing. And what happens is, when you go and you engage in that moment, that sacred moment where you give yourself over to the work of the Lord, and you become a slave, in a good sense, uh, in the serving moment. God blesses you. You walk away from Tijuana. You walk away from making outreach. You walk away from teaching Sunday school. And someone thanks you and you say, oh no, I, I'm the one that was blessed. I thought I was going to bless. I'm the one who's blessed. And so on the spectrum, there's the recipient of the blessing. And then there's the one who is serving that is blessed. And then I really believe that God is blessed. I really believe that God is blessed. When he knows our motives are pure. When he understands that we see a reward as glorifying him and helping others. You know, talking about how we become blessed when we give of ourselves. In Brunswick, Georgia, there was a soup kitchen called Manna House. And Manor House would serve those in need and uh, basically serve a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a tuna sandwich and soup. And, and our church had a rotation in that, and so we would serve. And I remember a gentleman, uh, he was at the table, and he was in need. And one of our volunteers, a female, came over and, and offered him a plate. And he, he put his spoon in the soup, and he said, this is cold. And she said, I'm sorry. And she did so much better than I would have done. I might have just tipped it up in his face. But she, she said, that's okay. And so she took it to the kitchen. She warmed it up. She took it back. And he said, 
No, he didn't say it's too high. But I like that. That would have made his story great. He ate the soup. He did thank her. And I apologized. I said, look, I'm, I'm sorry he treated you that way. She said, no, no, no. His response is not necessarily the reward I'm looking for. I did, one, I did that for one that is greater than even him. And so when, when you bless somebody, when you serve someone, they get the blessing, you get the blessing, God gets the blessing. It's kind of like some of you have siblings, or may, maybe you are a, an adult parent that has children, or your children are at home. It is a beautiful and a very unusual thing when siblings are kind to each other. You know, it really is. And, and, and it's an awesome thing when I see my, my teenage daughter, my, my, or my college-age daughter, say to my teenage son, uh, we're tired, we don't necessarily want to take him somewhere, and she says, I'll take him. And we're, we're like, great, here's some gas money, do that. That's great. But when she shows kindness, and when they're kind to one another, and when they support one another, what a beautiful thing. And I think that's the way God is blessed when he sees us as siblings caring for others. And so there's a blessing on multiple levels. But we come up with some excuses for serving, don't we? We really do. And I'm sad in that it robs us of a blessing. One of them is, I'm too busy. Well, the truth is, we find time for the things that are most important to us. And really, it's not always about time blocks. It's about a mentality. Richard Foster said this, there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about whom I serve and when I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I have given up all rights and control when it comes to serving Christ. I serve Him wherever I go. But the reality is, like everything else, like our finances, we budget our time. And we want to encourage you to budget time in receiving the blessing of serving. I'm not qualified is another one. And you might be right. In a sense, there are certain areas where you may not be equipped to serve. But we're not going to focus on where you're not equipped. We're going to focus on where you're gifted. And so we want you to come to us and share with us where you feel like you can serve. But Tim, you don't understand. I don't know that I can step into that. Well, can you... Can you hold a baby? Well, then you can work in the nursery if your background check comes out okay. <laughs> or can you serve soup? You can go to make an outreach. I, I mean, the wonderful thing is God. Not only does God call the qualified, He qualifies the called. Not only does God call the qualified into service, he has a way through the power of his Holy Spirit to qualify the called. He can make us ready. And I am absolutely convinced God is less concerned about your ability than he is about your availability. 
Another one is, I'm not afraid. Are you afraid of failure? Maybe it's something from your past. Uh, but if you look at the biblical characters in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you discover that there was great fear. I mean, look at Moses trembling. And God says, I want you to set my people free. And he says, I don't speak so good, God. I'm afraid. I stutter all the time. And God said, who made your mouth? Who made the rod in your hand? I am your God, and I will use you. Be not afraid. Well, there are ways to improve your serving. One of the things I shared with you was in terms of serving in tennis, somebody that serves well, someone that serves well, has an advantage in tennis. And I want to suggest to you that someone in Christ who serves well, who improves their serve, has an advantage in working in the kingdom of God. And so, uh, this is an interactive thing, and so what I'm going to do is, number one, I, I want you to... to uh, uh, Look at ways to improve your serve. Are you ready? All right, here's the first one. All right, the first one is discover your passion. Pray that the Lord will help you to discover what is really close to your heart. What is it when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, what is it that really gets you fired up? What is it that you have a burden for? Ask that question of the Lord. Lord, help me to rediscover my passion and then begin to serve there. Are you all ready? All right, number two. Oh, yeah. You missed that one, Rachel. All right, number two, find a need. Look for a need in the church. Look for a need in the community. Somebody came up to me recently and said, Tim, I am walking through a difficult time in my life and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side of it just about, and, and I think a support group would be very helpful for this issue. I know I'm not alone. That is finding a need. That's one's identifying where we can serve. And so to improve your serve, to improve your serve, look for your passion. Rediscover it. And then find a need. Look around, and let's meet it together. And then finally, get going. Get going. You know, some of us are stuck spiritually. And one of the reasons is, is because we're, we're stuck. We're in a rut, and it takes guts to get out of a rut. It, it takes us moving, and once there's motion, then there comes the emotion. And once we serve we take the focus off of ourselves. You've had those pity parties. And then God will reveal to you, hey, I want you to go serve somebody in need. And when you serve someone, the emphasis shifts away from you. And you begin to rediscover the joy of serving. So get going. Good, one-handed. Thou, man, send him to Turner Field. That's awesome. All right. Well, inserted, you have some, uh, what we call our big three categories of service, and I want you to look at those with us. One of the things that we've discovered, Anthony and John and I have talked about, is the churches we visit when we're on vacation, or if we're doing a continuing ed experience, uh, 
is this. They are thriving. They are growing if they get these categories down. And this is where we need your help. Number one, hospitality and evangelism. One of the things that we see in growing and thriving churches that serve is a radical hospitality. From the time they hit the parking lot to the time they're leaving, they know that they've been loved and that they've been loved on and that people actually care. This true, it is true. They don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care, okay? And so we need people to be greeters. We need people to work the coffee. We need people to be in the parking lot. We need people to help us with radical hospitality. And so I'm going to encourage you to maybe sign up and say, hey, I'm willing to help. And in a few minutes, you'll have a chance to bring that to the altar. Age-level ministries right now. Our children's ministry is kind of being rebuilt from the ground up. And Liz and April are doing an awesome job. And we've tweaked their two areas. There's going to be more radical things that will happen, more major things that will happen to the facility. You'll hear more about that later. We have a nominating committee that's going to put together a task force to look at how better to facilitate ministry. But for now, we need human power, human investment, human interest and energy in our children's ministry. And so I want to encourage you to think about signing up for one of our preschool ministry areas or one of our children's ministries as we serve, as we're willing to be a servant. And then community missions. We've mentioned some of that. We've mentioned uh, uh, making outreach. We've, we've mentioned others. And we're not going to hold your hand. If you sign up for that, we'll help point you in the direction. But we want you to get actively involved uh, maybe it's in a pregnancy crisis ministry, and you just simply befriend someone. Whatever it is, one of the things we're finding in churches that, is, that are growing is they're outwardly focused as well, and that people are seeing the person and then hearing the message. And then you may be serving, and we want to say to you, if you're uh, already serving and you're not burned out in that area, keep serving. Reaffirm that on that sheet of paper. Because we need everybody working together. You see, the church does not do very well when just a few do it all. The biblical model for serving in the church is everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. And so what is it that God is calling you to do? Jesus is calling you to greatness. Jesus is calling you to downward mobility. Jesus is calling you to be like him. For he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. Greg has cerebral palsy. He, he does pretty well. He gets around in his electric wheelchair. And one of the things he's able to do is to attend a special camp for special needs. And at this camp, he was assigned John. Uh, John is a regular counselor. He, he volunteers his vacation week to go and participate in this. You know, it's one of those things where I was talking about uh, he goes and he's a blessing, but he receives the blessing. And so after a week of caring for Greg. Greg's speech is hard to understand. His body is a good bit contorted in the chair. 
And, and every day, 24-7, he helps to feed Greg, John does. He helps to clean him up after he's used the bathroom. He helps him to get from point A to point B on the campgrounds. And so he has so much commitment to this handicapped, this physically challenged young man. One of the things they did on Thursday of that week was to, to put Greg and some of the other campers in the water, and they would get these huge flotation, specially made flotation devices, and they'd put them in there, and they would move about, and they would swim, and it was an awesome experience for them, best they could swim. Well, everybody thought that would be the highlight because really that was Greg's first time. And what they do is they, at the end of the camp, they, they have them sit uh, or stand or whatever their handicap allows them to do, and they interview them and they say, we want your counselor to stand with you. And the question is this, what was the best thing? What was your favorite part of the camp? And, and, and some of them would say different things, but then it was Greg's turn. And Greg with cerebral palsy, sitting, twisted in his chair, they held a mic up to him, and John stood next to him, as compassionate and kind as John has always been that week. John held the mic to his mouth and said, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite part of the week? Was it swimming? I mean, we gave you the nickname, the fish. What was your favorite part? And he said, you, you. You see, Christ wants us to enter into people's lives, to really make a difference, to be like him, to give of ourselves so that he will get the glory. And we get the best part. We're blessed because we've been a blessing. And so I invite you, work on your serve. Strengthen it. Give it more pace and speed. And be intentional so that you can have the advantage in the kingdom of God. I'm going to invite you on our final song. I want to ask the praise team to come. And as they come, I want to encourage you to to take your card and, and fill it out, and, and we'd like to gather these up and lay them on the altar and uh, see it as an opportunity for you to move toward downward mobility, greatness in the kingdom.